0: Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new video where today we return with episode 107, if I'm not mistaken, of Knowing Wheel. Now, this this podcast on occasion has been I think the the correct term is a little bit janky from time to time. This by far and away though steals the the cherry on top of the cake for weird podcast setups that we've ever done on the show. Now, Jamie, talk, talk me through your situation right now before we go into the show and explain why <laughs> things are going to be weird.
1: Yeah, well, hello everyone, good afternoon, uh, or good morning, or good evening. But um, I'm, I'm away from home, as you can probably tell. I'm uh, in a place in North Wales, so naturally the internet isn't very good. Um, means that my phone won't connect efficiently to 4G, so I can't hotspot my laptop because I'm in a place with no Wi-Fi in my in my room which is great um yeah so i can't f- hotspot my laptop uh which means i'm currently on the phone to matt on my on my phone and then recording my audio and camera on a laptop that's currently not connected to the internet holding my microphone in my hand and my laptop is propped up on a book so <laughs> things could be could be better uh, to say the least but we're here we've made it for a uh, tuesday hopefully depending on what time it's going to we be wednesday to <laughs> the show's going, going out okay? wednesday well there we go <laughs> yeah so ready to record a podcast in probably the weirdest way that uh, we've ever done
0: This is like a podcast from 1998, I reckon. And just just for context on my end, I've got Jamie uh, in one of my ears. It it does sound to me like he's talking to me from the bottom of a well. So this is only (laughs) going to go well. Um, But pun intended as well, by the way. Let's get into it, though. Australian Grand Prix, Jamie. Uh, We we had a couple of interesting talking points, didn't we? Uh, Before the weekend, of course, Formula One heads to the land down under. We've, we've had the first two races out in the Middle East and already fingers are starting to get pointed. Uh, George Russell, the big one this week, saying Red Bull are over a second faster than any other car on the grid.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably pushing it a little bit, but it's true that in the in the first three races, Red Bull, have, uh, spoilers, have won all of them at a canter, to be honest. So, yeah, I do feel like they are holding something back, but then... Of course they would, because if you can win with 50% of pushing, then why wouldn't you do that? There's no point, like, going 100% and well, potentially crashing or whatever. But.
0: Etten Senna yeah. versus Alain Prost, isn't it, really? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, completely. But I do think one second clear is probably uh, exaggeration, but they're definitely comfortably the fastest car on the grid. I think we can all agree on that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's it's a fair... I mean... It wouldn't surprise me still, like we said, you know, there's been all these talks about our Red Bull holding back some potential performance and all this, that and the other. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if they were around about a second clear at the front of the field, at least in race trim anyway. Now, I think the other sort of interesting, and I don't think this was on any of our bingo cards this week, was it, Jamie? Uh, Was the comments made by Burnt Mylander towards the end of last week. Uh, talking about, for the first time ever, as far as we know, at least publicly anyway, about Abu Dhabi 2021. That was quite an interesting read. I actually didn't read that,
1: I didn't see it, but was it about, he basically was just confused? Was that the gist of it? Uh,
0: so basically what he said al- was along the lines of, what I'm trying to paraphrase here, was obviously after that Grand Prix, he... Basically said he got back out of the safety car, of course, but he came back in before the end of the race. Obviously, they had their last lap. Obviously, he's still on standby then in case something happens. Of course, we know obviously what did happen, but obviously it didn't then warrant another safety car. Um, And all he said then after that was he was in such disbelief as to what he'd just seen, that he walked into the paddock with his helmet still on, which he said he never really tends to do, walked straight through the paddock to the other end, and just had to sit out by the water by himself to try and make sense of what mm. on earth he'd just witnessed. He said he'd never seen anything like it. He never felt so confused in Formula 1.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you kind of understand why it was completely unprecedented at the time. And, I mean, I'm sure Abu Dhabi 21 will come up again later in his podcast, but, yeah, it was it was a confusing time for a lot of people, especially those who know their rules very well such as Burt Mylander obviously did, does it for a living so he, he knows all of the official rules for what a safety car procedure is uh, and knows that they were changed last minute to kind of end a championship which yeah um, is yeah difficult to swallow I guess I don't know if he had a, had a favourite at the time but if it was Hamilton it probably would be very difficult to swallow
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, again, we, you know, we we talk about Bert Mylander. In my opinion, still to this day, probably one of the most unsung heroes in Formula 1. You know, he's been doing this job since, I think, it's either 2000 or 1999. I'm pretty certain he's, like, in the top five of most laps led in a Grand Prix, if you included him yeah. with the drivers of all time as well, which is absolutely mental. Bert definitely, definitely knows his stuff. But I thought, you know, it was very, very interesting of Course reading through, and I, he's definitely up there as well for me, anyway. Of someone that when he retires, I'd love to read a book from him. I think yeah. he'd make a fantastic book from a very odd and unique perspective of the world yeah. of Formula One.
1: If you're watching, Burnt, we'll have you on the podcast anytime. We uh, Bernt, be... <laughs> honestly, if
0: you're watching this show, we would absolutely love to have you on the podcast at some point. Um, sure but anyway, watching, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he is. Let's let's jump in then, Jamie, to free practice. And immediately, things got a little bit weird, didn't they, Now I'm going to play devil's advocate just for one second here as we talk about all of Sergio Perez's struggles. Now, I don't know if you saw this as well, actually, going back to Saudi Arabia. He put a tweet out after the weekend saying, you know, fantastic to get my fifth win in Formula One, you know, really, really difficult but happy with the result. I want to be champion. That tweet then got taken out, uh, sorry, deleted even, I should say, and replaced with exactly the same one without that last sentence. Let's let's play Devil's Advocate. Then suddenly Sergio Perez struggling with with the brakes on the car. Red Bull definitely didn't sabotage him. For those of you that believe it, but it was weird to see, wasn't it? Because he's such an experienced driver. You don't really expect someone with what twelve years' experience in Formula One to struggle that much with something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then, I I don't think they were sabotaging. Obviously, because that would no, be ridiculous. No. But um, yeah, no. I think. It was just a bit of an off weekend for him, really. It was kind of like his FP3 session was an absolute nightmare, wasn't it? Especially. Um, yes. yeah, And that FP2. really did, that did spill over into qualifying because I feel like he hadn't really got his head in the game because obviously it was his first flying lap in, in Q1 that he messed up and went off. So it was, it was a, a very strange weekend for Perez, especially after like, yeah, he's a point off the championship lead. That's probably the closest he's ever been apart from before a season starts. And like, you kind of think it's now time to seize the opportunity. It really, really puts some pressure on the team and on Verstappen if he can. So to go and kind of drop an absolute howler of a weekend, then yeah, it's not it's not really the best look. And I guess he'll he'll pick himself up, but it's definitely not not the best way that he would have wanted to carry on from Saudi.
0: No, exactly, and it is it is a weird one because let's be fair, sensibly, neither of us believe Sergio Perez. Has got a world championship in him, at least against Max Verstappen. No. But I think pretty much everyone would have also said that about Rosberg coming into 2015, probably everyone except for yourself. (laughs) Um, So stranger things have happened in the world of Formula One, I'm sure. Um, But if Sergio wanted to apply pressure to the team, you know, wanted to try and sort of get under Max's feathers, it was not really the way to do it, was it? Especially like we said when we got into qualifying. Uh, Because, of course, as you mentioned, first run immediately goes and bins it Yeah, down at turn 3, beaches himself in the gravel and that's it, over
1: Yeah, and basically any chance of winning the race is gone because you've got to see Verstappen, yeah, Verstappen's going to probably get pole now and therefore by the time you're even second, if you get to second he'll be 15-20 seconds down the road so yeah, it was a very almost like a rookie error from a man with a lot of experience in the sport, so kind of expect better from someone like that and yeah, obviously he'll Itself up and go again in a uh, in Baku, is it
0: yeah, Baku next? Yeah. I think it's Baku. It's Baku in four yeah. weeks' time. We've got plenty of mini great. off-season <laughs> to talk about. Um, but of course, yeah, I mean, qualifying wasn't overly dramatic. Uh, obviously, Guanyu, Oscar Piastri, Bottas, and Sargent joined Perez out in Q one. Uh, must be noted as well, wasn't it? Throughout, I mean, throughout Saudi as well. What has happened to Alfa Romeo? Yeah, because Bottas was what eighth,
1: or ninth in a. Uh, no, it was eighth place in Bahrain, wasn't he? But then they have always been. He was Bahrain. eighth in Bahrain, yeah. And then, ever since, they've just dropped. They like, yeah, they were supposedly in that pack fighting, I guess, for fifth or sixth fastest car. And then immediately, I guess, hopefully for for Joe's sake as a fan of his, it is just track based and the high speed stuff doesn't really suit them. But yeah, the last two races they've been at best like ninth fastest, which is pretty shocking from a team that finished 6th last year and were hoping to kind of build on that. But as a Joe fan, I've got to also say that he did outperform Bottas all weekend as he did in Jeddah as well. So yeah, shout out to him 2-1 in the in the qualifying head-to-head. So we take that. We take the small wins.
0: Yeah, no, Joe certainly does seem, you know, well suited to the Alfa Romeo car at the moment, but yeah, just very very weird. It makes you wonder whether perhaps Bottas is struggling with the car. Then, obviously, it's because he's so experienced in comparison to Joe Guanyu, whether he just can't give them the feedback they need that helps set up the car that then both of them can get more out of it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Alfa Romeo, the only team with both cars out in Q1. Obviously, we just mentioned that list of drivers. Uh, Q2 as well, though. Uh, Esteban Ocon, Yuki Tsunoda, Norris, Kevin Magnussen, and Nick DeFries out uh, in that session. And Alex Albon makes it into Q3. Williams, once again, I'll look him don't get me wrong not top of the midfield or anything like that but when Alvin gets it hooked up on a qualifying run they've got a decent little package they
1: certainly have and James Fowles did good stuff for that team I think he's kind of keeping them very level-headed he's a very thoughtful guy for any interviews you've heard of him uh, with him and yeah uh, Alvin's just doing a really good job Um, unfortunate about what happened on the Sunday but uh, yeah also a little shout out to the Alpha cast because they were looking slightly better this weekend certainly because Bahrain and Jeddah were not, not great for those two, but to get both cars in Q2, Snowda in 11th, in a 12th sorry, on the grid, that's not that bad for them. And also Hulk P5 in Q2, didn't think I was going to get through that without saying that.
0: No, I, I, did, I did wonder when that one was going to come in. But I mean, of course, yes, yeah, sensibly we all knew it was going to be Max Verstappen on pole. I think the real question was going to be A, by how much and B, who would be joining him. ...on the front row there, and it was quite a spicy little battle, you know, Fernando Alonso, George and Lewis... ...all kind of trading that second place time, obviously, over the course of the session. It's kind of weird now, because of course we've got Red Bull at the front, we've got Merckx and Fernando battling behind them... ...and then we've kind of got Stroll and the Ferraris, that just seem to be a little bit further away. I mean, we've always said Stroll is not a qualifier, but yeah, Ferrari just had an absolute disaster in Q3, didn't they? They completely tripped over each other... Because they were worried mm. it was going to rain, so didn't allow either driver to do proper tire warm up.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's just the perennial gift that keeps on giving of Ferrari. So, yeah, I wonder when they're going to sort it out. But they're looking like probably fourth fastest car at the minute. Although back in Bahrain, they were probably what third, maybe close second, to second, second, so, definitely. Yeah.
0: And I mean, even on race pace, they were still second oh, this yeah, weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just stuff just seems to go wrong for them maybe it's uh you gotta look at the team at that point which we have done for the last five ten fifteen years so
0: yeah pretty much pretty much but i mean shout out as well like we said of course you know jamie gave hulk a shout out for p5 in q2 where was that time in q3 he ended up last uh behind alex alban up in p8 (laughs) there as best of the rest is kind of incredible uh and then obviously gasly just between them and then, of course, Jamie, we get to Sunday. Sunday fun day. And the action pretty much kicks off immediately, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, straight away, lap one, you have Verstappen on pole from the two Red, uh, the two Mercedes. Sorry, not two Red Bulls. Um, and uh, lights go out. And straight away, it's not a great start from him as a two-time champion. And Russell, straight into turn one, takes the lead of the race. And then that kind of pushes Verstappen offline a little bit. Obviously, well with his right to... Um, and then down towards turn three, Verstappen seems to be clear of Hamilton and Alonso, who were just behind him, but then breaks very strangely about 50 metres early, well, at least maybe 30 metres early for turn three. And Hamilton and Alonso both launch attacks on, on either side of him. And Hamilton, at least, down the inside, does get into second place as well. So it's a 1-2 for Mercedes. And this is kind of, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because it's very sad to me that that Verstappen is being so careful that's (laughs) because all through his career he's been this young gun like I don't know like screw the establishment kind of thing like I'm going for it whatever happens I'm going to be there pushing and now he's got the fastest car like quite comfortably he knows that he just doesn't need to take any risks and it kind of is a bit sad to see but then it gets him race wins and world championships but as a fan of his it is it's disappointing in a way but like, I guess it's just part of the game, really, isn't it?
0: I, I mean, only only you, Jimmy, could moan that Verstappen's now being more sensible. But no, I, I do <laughs> kind of get what you mean about that, because, I mean, I think it's it's very, very interesting, because let's be completely honest here. With Perez at the picture, it was going to take something disastrous for Max not to win this race, even if the first yeah. lap was a bit of a nightmare. Of course, the smart money for him now. You see those Mercs steamrolling down your inside at one and three. You let him go. But doesn't work out so well when you spend all these years banging on about how, you know, you're a proper racer and you're always gonna mm. fight for every position till the bitter end. Um because as soon as of course you're the one with the upper hand, you're not gonna do that anymore because it's not sensible. Uh so yeah. perhaps perhaps you should have just been a bit more careful with your wording in the first place.
1: Yeah, potentially. And I guess we I, it's kind of what we saw with Hamilton, you know, when he came into the sport he was going it up against the grain, like trying to like trying to be the guy who's uh, taking it to the, the big guns, and then as soon as he got he the, did. the dominant car, yeah, as he did, as soon as he got the dominant car, he then does the same thing and starts driving sensibly with his head, which yeah, it's perfectly valid and it's it makes a lot of sense, but it's it's not as exciting as a fan of them because you kind of want to see them be who they are and be the guy who they always have been.
0: Oh, uh, I think I think it's part of maturing inside Formula yeah. One. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, taking risk of course is always a risky thing. It's probably the best yeah, thing I can say yeah. about that. Uh, especially if you take that risk and go for an apex when there's two Aston Martins on your inside. <laughs> what do we say about Charles Leclerc there? What a rookie rookie error! Yeah, such a weird
1: mistake on lap one of a race. Especially like, yeah, I mean, it's obviously he's not he's not right at the front or anything, so he's not really lost like a potential race win, for instance, but it's just a, a really bad misjudgment from a guy who's been around for ages. And I think what kind of, like, uh, painted the picture was just his disappointment on the radio. He couldn't even blame Stroll, really. He didn't really try to, because he knew immediately no, no. I just turned across him. Like, it's just, you don't do that on, like, one of a race. You just need to be a bit aware. Um, so, yeah, not, not, the, uh, not the clerk's finest hour, but, yeah, he's not had a great start to the season in all honesty obviously second DNF out of three races and the way it did finish it was what, down in seventh place so yeah needs to pick himself up a bit
0: yeah and I mean I don't know if you've seen this stat as well if Leclerc fails to score points in Baku which so far there's a 66% chance of looking at previous <laughs> races it will be his worst start to a Formula 1 season ever and that includes his year at Sauber yeah
1: yeah, since Alba, he did finish actually sixth in Baku, didn't he? Which was right. He did, four.
0: yeah. Got eight points. So if he finishes yeah. tenth or below in Baku, it's his worst ever start to a Formula One season. I mean, and that includes twenty twenty Ferrari as well in there. It's it's, yeah, measure. exactly. The, the dog Ferrari. I mean, it's it's a weird situation because I think you know we've both always said Charles Leclerc is, you know, it's probably in five ten years from now we'll talk about the big four being George. Max, Charles, Lando, I think is a pretty pretty sensible bet. I don't think yeah, at the moment yeah. I'm not sure there's anyone else unless of course, you know, we look towards the junior ranks, uh, that is really gonna sort of get with those four at the moment. But, you know, Lando's still stuck down at McLaren. He's gotta get himself out of there. Max obviously is sitting pretty two world championships already, he's got Red Bull wrapped right round his little finger, he basically can do what he wants with Fair them at the way. moment. <laughs> George Russell, you know, he's he's just got to wait for Mercedes to try and get back there. I don't think he's going anywhere else anytime soon. But it really does feel like Charles Leclerc. We're, we're kind of seeing this timeline already, aren't we, now, of what we saw with Seb, what we saw with Fernando, and so many others in the past. He is well and truly getting Ferrari, isn't he? Yeah, it seems like like the,
1: the excitement, like the joy of being in Formula 1 just kind of gets drained out of you when you're at Ferrari for so long as a driver. So and it is partly down to obviously the team letting him down in the past with machinery and with reliability, but eventually it becomes a bit of both when you're just not performing to your level because your head's not in a good place. And I think yeah, that is exactly what we saw with Alonso and with Bettel. It's just the yeah, the negative feedback loop of being at Ferrari for so long. Uh which is really catching up with Leclerc So I genuinely would see him at Aston Martin once Alonso retires in Twenty thirty five or whatever.
0: Oh, so. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that as well. And I mean, again, I know we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but can't we just get stroll out of Aston Martin and have two good drivers there? <laughs> um, but likely. Could it? Could it be Charles? Could it be Lando Norris? You know, could we see someone else sort of sniffing up that tree over the next couple of years? Only time will tell. But of course, yeah, Max Verstappen then dropped back down behind both mucks early on, uh, and you know, there was there was a tiny part of me that was there like. Mercedes are back. And then, obviously, you see him absolutely fly past the other cars. And, of course, you know there, there was a decent little fight going on early on, but it was a case of when rather than if, like I said, uh, the Max yeah. was going to win that race. Until he got turned on its head on just lap nine.
1: Yeah, and uh, Alex Albon, who we spoke about having a really good weekend up to this point, unfortunately for him, made a bit of an error. Well, it was a very large error. Uh, didn't seem to be any mechanical reason for it, but just ran wide at turn... 5, the fast right-hander uh, did its wheel wheels the grass there and then the next corner, turn 6 he completely just lost the back end which looked very strange but I guess it was just a dirty tyre thing um, no one has said that there was an issue so I think it's got to go down as a driver error unfortunately, um, but dropped it into the gravel, hit the front wing on the tyre wall, quite a high-speed crash Holkenberg uh, very nearly like, side-swiped him which would have been horrific if they actually did make contact So it was a cloud of gravel on the track um, but thankfully no one, no one crashed into the side of the Williams that was strewn across the track, uh, and that brought out the safety car fairly immediately, which um, was attempted to be taken advantage of by a few drivers, including the race leader at that point, George Russell, uh, which, yeah, was quite a bold strategy call, but um, I guess we've seen it in the past a lot. When you've got two drivers at the front, you can kind of split your strategies, and George went for it yeah no certainly certainly interesting wasn't it
0: it it definitely did very very quickly i think you know just mentioning the album crash though i think that is that crash was kind of a very very good explainer so say for example you got someone that isn't particularly in the know of formula one and obviously they see album qualify eighth and go oh well it must be the fifth fastest car then it's those moments where the williams still really lacks in comparison to everything else and that is just the window that it operates in over one lap, yeah. that Williams can be a fast car, but it is so so sensitive still to it's things yeah. like gusts of winds that Williams yeah, still yeah. talk about that that car struggles with. A, a gust of wind is going to happen in a Formula One race. You've got to build a car that can get around that. So I mean, Albon definitely, yeah. You know, he, he was the one behind the wheel at the time. He was at fault. But the fact that Williams' car is so sensitive still, I do honestly believe if any other car had gone through at that speed at that angle, they would have been absolutely fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the the operating window is tiny on that Williams. So a little bit of dirt on the tires, maybe it wouldn't, maybe yeah, just the tires were slightly lower temperature than they were the previous lap or something like that. It just it just causes it to go, which is a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So of course obviously like you said George Russell a handful of others pit and then pretty much as soon as they come back out the FIA then go, "Oh, we're having a red flag instead." Um which I've noticed on the notes Jamie, uh, you've actually put was not needed. I, I, it looked on the face of it like yeah it could have just been a safety car what actually happened was the tech bro been ripped apart from it's from like the way it's bonded together uh, so that's why they had to bring out a red flag because right, it was gonna right take 15 20 minutes to get it sorted um so uh, an, an annoying red flag i'm sure for george russell and many of the people watching at home uh but if in, in all fairness once we sort of found out that information did make sense Um, Of course, we get green flag racing once again, not long after that. And I mean, yeah, this time around, Max Verstappen just kind of rockets past Lewis Hamilton. I think it was something ridiculous. Like when he overtook Lewis, he had, I think it was a 25 kilometre an hour advantage. And by the end of the straight, because Hamilton had run out of battery, Max, before they both broke, was going 36 kilometres an hour faster which is the difference, probably close between a Formula 2 and a Formula 3 car. It was mental.
1: Yeah, well, if you think, if you're stood like in a town, just stood still, walking, like maybe walking on the pavement, and a car goes past you at 30 miles an hour, that's basically the difference in speed.
0: <laughs> yeah, mental.
1: Absolutely mental. It's crazy.
0: And I mean, obviously, we then saw, obviously Lewis lose close to two seconds, wasn't it? In the sector after that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were going, well, that's Red Bull's clear pace. Now, two seconds a sector is six seconds a lap, which definitely isn't quite right. <laughs> um, but Hamilton had made a bit of an error there. And obviously, like we said, used too much battery as well. But yeah, that Red Bull is just unbelievable down the straights, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, yeah, yeah. again, the first three, I mean, Baku as well should play into that. I mean, every track going to play into their hands sensibly. Um, but obviously Baku as well should be ridiculous for them. But it has been a case of Red Bull have had some of their best tracks come up first as well. Or at least that's what I tell myself to sleep at night. Yeah, maybe maybe when we get to like the three tracks a year that are high downforce,
1: then Red Bull might come up with uh, with nothing. But we'll have to wait and see.
0: Mm. I'm not, not going to hold my breath. I don't think, Um, but of course yeah, a lot of the race after that, to be honest was there wasn't a huge amount going on of course, with the four DRS zones it did kind of mean that overtaking was quite easy, now one thing I did want to ask you Jamie, talking about it was of course DRS zone 3 and 4 just had the one detection point between them, do we think there should have been another detection point placed either in the fast 9 and 10 chicane or just after it Um, or not at all
1: yeah, potentially because I did think the few times that there were overtakes into turn 11 uh it was yeah, it w- I mean, I don't know. The few times sorry, there were overtakes into turn 9 the car that overtook then got it again to pull away, it's quite like Verstappen and Hamilton did uh earlier in the race. So yeah, I'm always a fan of the the two back to back with different detection points as long as you, it doesn't become stupid like it did last year with Leclerc and Verstappen, but I think if you put a, a detection point at in the inside of that chicane, like the, the middle part, then that shouldn't have screwed everything that badly. I don't think, and maybe would have made for a few more longer battles because often we saw it would be a DRS train, the faster car. I don't know. For instance, Perez came through the, the midfield quite quickly, or quite—it wasn't super quickly—but lap after lap, he would just pick one off, and it was like six in a train, and he would pick him off into turn nine and then pull away into turn 11. So it would be nice to see some slightly more longer battles, especially between cars of similar pace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is fair enough. And like I said, you know, if you, I mean, I don't think that sensibly, if you've just been overtaken uh, into worlds nine and 10, that it's very likely you'd get another easy run past the car that's just jumped you. That's why I sort of think it could have potentially been a good idea um to but, you know, I think the next
1: lap potentially
0: yeah exactly it allows you to just stay that little bit closer of course but I mean the other big thing that was kind of quite surprising wasn't it uh, throughout sort of the midway stage of the Grand Prix was just the fact you had uh, sorry Pierre Gasly even and Nico Hülkenberg that were just kind of matching the top drivers still obviously Verstappen yeah. had pulled away um, but they were still keeping up with Stroll and sights, which are neither the greatest benchmarks in the world but they were <laughs> putting up a fight against those quicker cars
1: yeah, and it was really nice to see actually because you kind of had Verstappen gone. You had Hamilton and Alonso kind of sparring for P P two with like I don't know one point five seconds. It usually was. Yeah, uh, really sparring is course. quite a
0: quite a clickbaity term to describe their yeah. battle. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. But Sky were hyping it up, so I am going to do the same. Um, <laughs> uh, then you had uh, what? Science P four. Uh, then it was Gasly P five. Actually, wasn't it ahead of Stroll and. Holkenberg. Uh, and actually that little pack of four, which is four completely different cars, four different, no three different engines and flyers in there, like you had these these two cars which we've kind of written off as midfield at best, like the Alpine and the and the Haas. Actually, they were completely holding their own, which was it was nice to see. I always just like races where it's kind of normal that there isn't a massive field spread and teams without the fastest car can kind of stay with the faster cars, which is exactly what we saw. And shout out to uh to those two drivers as well. I think they did really well until Yeah, I'm I, I can not think why
0: you'd shout out those two in particular, but fair <laughs> enough. Um, one of them but until, yeah, I mean, until the very end. <laughs> it it does show as well, doesn't it, that A the new aerodynamic regs are working a bit more. Cars can stay close to each other. And B of course, you know, whether for better or for worse, it shows that having the four DRS zones around Albert Park really was helping some of those cars as well of course that did have that were able to stay in the DRS of a faster car in front of them uh of course as as the race carried on though lando norris was putting in some banging lap times as well of course he had perez that was trying to close in on him and they were both closing up to that group as you mentioned at quite a rapid rate of knots until holgenberg and norris's little battle
1: yeah yeah which eventually Hulkenberg did lose a drs off the back of stroll uh which were, and then obviously without that big tow rope effectively he started to fall back towards Norris. I think over this weekend, the McLaren probably was a touch faster than the Haas. Uh, although that's what I'll tell myself. Better driver, better driver. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the little, there was one lap uh, out of turn 11, Hulkenberg ahead. He, he was very, very clever. It kind of manipulated the track to his advantage in terms of weaving and blocking. But so he went to the right to, so he kind of took the racing line through a little kink of turn well, it's not really a turn, is it? The it's not a turn at all. Turn yeah, but straight, I know what you mean. Um, kind of followed the line back towards the left, and then last minute defended the inside. So it's effectively, if it was a straight bit of track, it would have been two moves. But because of that little turn, he used that to his advantage to very cleverly block Norris without breaking the rules, um, which was a little bit naughty, but he got away with it. So I'm all for it. And then, uh, sadly, though, a lap later he couldn't uh, repeat the feat. It was actually quite a good move from Norris to. Uh, go to the outside of Turn 11 and then switch back onto the inside of Turn 12 and Hülkenberg rather foolishly thought he could swing a car around the outside of Turn 12 and ended up having a little trip across the gravel. Uh, but then there was such a big gap behind, which I guess he knew that he didn't really lose anything in terms of uh, race position, at least.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was certainly you know nice to see that the fighting spirit was still there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, from there things after what have been you know not the most eventful grand prix in the war, but a decent little race it just all falls apart doesn't it late on in the day kevin magnuson very very weird error slaps the wall coming out of turn two loses a rear wheel and all madness ensues doesn't it first of all we get a safety car we've got five laps to go the fia are panicking they're not going to get this sorted beforehand so they just throw out another red flag
1: yeah and this one really was pointless. So <laughs> I think it's kind of an, uh, like an unwritten rule, like a gentleman's agreement that they're going to try and not have races finish under the safety car because of what happened to Abu Dhabi, I guess, uh, and just for excitement purposes, which just doesn't make any sense to me. If there's a crash with a lap to go, just call it. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was odd. Cool to make a red flag there and it kind of like uh it kind of voided all the work of the likes of Verstappen, Gasly who've been really just pumping in 56 laps or what no would have been what 54 54,
0: yeah
1: of trying to make these gaps stay with the runners you should be staying with and then just to red flag it and call it a two-lap sprint it just seems like that's not what the sport's about really so yeah it was a shame for the spectacle of the race but also it benefited the spectacle of the race I guess because it was a bit chaotic and a bit mad that we we're going to have this two lap sprint but yeah it's not why like the F1 purist in me was uh was crying a little bit at this point
0: <laughs> yeah I mean this was the thing wasn't it because let's be fair obviously KMAG crashed they brought out the safety car obviously the field was frozen they brought out a red flag and obviously everyone then is going Right, or everyone inside the FIA is going, this is great, fans are going to love it, we're going to have two laps of brilliant battling to get to the end of the race. What they forgot was that, despite having some of the best drivers in the world, sometimes these drivers still have an absolute nightmare. So I think they had this vision of a two-lap scrap, you know, Hamilton, Verstappen, Alonso, our three (laughs) world champions going at it. And, of course, it just all goes Pete Tong at turn one, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, so we work out... Uh, the restart, and straight away, there's probably a, uh, in my I I haven't counted properly, but at least four or five drivers make totally unforced errors into turn one yep. or turn three, which is when you've only got what 16 runners at that point. Yep, that's basically a quarter of the grid have just made completely uncharacteristic errors. Maybe not fully uncharacteristic for the likes of Sergeant or Stroll, but. Yeah, errors that really the, the pinnacle drivers in the world should not be making. And part of it is down to, like, dangling the carrot in front of them of, like, right, two laps. You've got to do it all at turn one or turn three.
0: Well, it is all or part- nothing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, and then part of it also, I guess, is the the lap round to the grid. Technically not a formation lap because it counts in the race. So... Uh, I know Verstappen was saying afterwards that all, everyone's tyres were just ch- super cool because the lap to the grid was ridiculously slow because cause of the safety car rather than doing an all-formation lap but yeah, I don't I don't want to make excuses for them
0: because some of those mistakes in there were, were shocking but, I mean, um, let's be fair yeah. we, we had Sainz obviously was the big one locked up and hit his fellow Spaniard Fernando Alonso that put Alonso into the wall somehow was able to carry on Ocon was trying to obviously sorry Gasly was trying to avoid all that and then him and Ocon come together in what only could ever happen down at Alpine so after running a brilliant race both of them trashed their cars with two laps to go Perez locked up and ran off at turn one Sergeant locked up at turn one and completely murdered Nick DeFreeze. Somehow hasn't got a penalty for it even to now, yeah. which I'm not quite sure how he's got away with. Yeah. And then my personal favourite, the entire lot, was of course Lance Stroll. at turn three, just panicked and locked up and threw himself off on the, the road podium as well. At this point. <laughs> he was on the podium and he threw it away.
1: Yeah, completely. And uh, just coming out of turn four and five, I guess uh, they throw out another red flag. Uh, just. <laughs> Which uh well, I will have rant about this. Should, is now the time? Shall I just go for it? Go uh, for it. Alright, here we go. Because we obviously saw in Silverstone twenty twenty two, you throw a red flag on effectively what is a lap one before Sector One split. Uh you, you haven't had everyone through sector one. So you don't have an official timing, I guess, to measure the grid positions for the restart. Uh what I don't get quite this time round is everyone had gone through sector one apart from Fernando Alonso who's in a wall and the two Alpines who are in a wall and De Vries and Sargent who are in a gravel trap. So effectively the the reason they haven't been able to measure the, the, the differences is because Alonso spun out. But obviously you know Alonso's last because the rest of it out of the race. So they do have an official timing, they just chose not to use it. Um, the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about this is because Nico Holkenberg had an absolute storm of a restart and was running P4 after starting ninth on the grid. Uh, and Science has a penalty on the way because he took out Alonso. So had they actually measured the grid as it should have been for the 3rd, the 4th start, Hülkenberg genuinely, not even baiting, would have had a podium finish. And Sonoda as well would have been 4th in a terrible Alpha Tauri. So it really did screw over a few drivers who were on for some really good stuff. But what they actually did instead was be super trigger happy with the red flag. I think they basically went into this restart like, right, if anyone crashes, we're just pressing the red flag button straight away. So as soon as the Alpines crashed, they were like, right, red flag immediately. (laughs) Where if they just even threw a safety car for two thirds of a lap and then red flag it, they then get the order and it doesn't make the whole restart pointless. But I guess they were a little bit scared of Alonso, probably, or whoever was going to crash out, because, yeah, it would would have been really painful for the Aston Martin teams. I guess it was painful for the Alpines, because they couldn't take the third start, the fourth start. But, yeah, it really... Yeah, if they'd have been 10 seconds more patient, which is right so painful, uh, Hogberg would have restarted P4, and then took the P3 when Sainz got his penalty. So probably the closest call has ever been to Hockenberg podium which is very frustrating but he's saying
0: something isn't it yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I mean it just got to the point didn't it where obviously then like we said obviously the red flag was then brought out again now of course as Jamie mentioned when they do an outlap, that counts as a lap in the Grand Prix so they weren't gonna get another lap's worth of racing in anyway unless they start counting backwards which they then kind of half did with the result Except for the cars that have crashed out. So they now weren't part of the race anymore, of course, because they've crashed out. But everyone else has got to go back into the order they were before all those cars crashed out. It just became farcical incredibly quickly. And, I mean, it didn't even affect any, like particularly any of the drivers I'm really worried or invested about either. (laughs) Obviously, I can see why you're so upset. Because, obviously, you screwed a driver you're a fan of, and that's fair enough. But it just got ridiculous. Because, of course... Science then gets a, po- uh, sorry, gets a penalty even for an incident that, that has now not happened on a lap that counts in the race. I personally still thought that was a penalty. I'm sure you do as well. He, he yeah, was the yeah. one that meant then that that lap didn't count. So, of course, he should still get penalised. But then, of course, we think... spend half an hour back in the pit lane with them just moving cars up and down the pit so they're in the right order. Just to go out and do one more lap behind safety car where no one can overtake anyway. It's just you sat there watching it going, I just want to switch off the TV at this point.
1: I, I did switch it off at that point. I had stuff to do. So I was like, right, I know what's happening here. Hulk's not getting a podium anymore. I'm off. So, yeah, it was like, technically the lap 56 did happen in the order because that's kind of why they were on lap 57 when they were back in the pits. So like, yeah, it it was all a mess because the lap did count in the Grand Prix but didn't count for the positions because they never all got through sector one, even though they kind of all did. Yeah, just yeah, it was bizarre. It was just a mess, yeah. But that does segue very nicely into this week's quiz, because you okay. s- stitched me up last week with a really difficult category of named Australians, which I failed on miserably. But uh, this was the first race to have three red flags in since, you know the answer, I'm sure, Yep. Yeah. Since Magello two thousand and twenty. Yep. Yeah. Uh all you have to do is name me the point scorers from that race in Magello twenty twenty. And if you get if you get one wrong, it's done. So you've got you've got ten to get.
0: Right, okay. Let me let me just think about this sensibly then.
1: There's no time limit, so take your time.
0: No, that's that's fine. So I've just gotta get the top ten from Magello twenty twenty. Yes. So, Hamilton won, because that was the race he wore his uh, Browner Taylor top. Indeed. Bottas was second. Mm-hmm. Albon got a podium. He did. His that birth. was his first ever podium. After he jumped Daniel Ricciardo
1: late in the day. He did. This is very logical. He's not like you usually.
0: No, I know. <laughs> Normally, I just oh, it's because you've given me no time limit. Yeah. Um, Sergio Perez surely scored points. He did. But I, I now know drivers that didn't score points either. So Verstappen yeah, obviously didn't finish that race. Stroll obviously didn't finish that race. Um. Gasly obviously didn't finish that race because he had the collision with Max, and I think. Charles got involved in that as well um, I mean I've got five already I'm pretty happy with that you have yeah um, Finished that race George Russell definitely didn't um, I should just go with some safe ones but it just finished that race it was only it was only 10 cars that finished
1: no uh, 11 11 cars finished that race
0: 11 cars finished that race yeah um. so George Russell definitely didn't then or if he did he didn't score points and I'm trying to think Ocon
1: incorrect Aww. Ocon is wrong Ocon uh, actually pulled out of the race during one of the red flags with a break issue so unfortunate you missed 6th place, you got the top 5 so that was alright Yeah. 6th uh, was Norris in the McLaren oh I should have got Norris should Yeah. 7th was Kvyat which would have been quite hard um, Leclerc finished 8th
0: oh we did finish Ferrari. Eighth. he did finish 8th he did was 1, it thousand. Seb that Draughery. was out early on
1: no no Raikkonen was ninth for Alfred Romeo and Vettel was 10th so both Ferrari score points which is well, I honestly thought
0: one of the Ferraris binned it yeah uh, if I was uh, going to well I mean to be Russell honest Russell did, uh,
1: did finish it was 11th was it yeah, yeah.
0: I couldn't remember whether yeah. Russell was the only one that didn't score points or was going to score points and then didn't finish. I thought, yeah, I can't remember, to be honest. I'll, I'll take five there out of ten there. Not not too bad going at the end of the race. But, of course, yeah, after Sainz's penalty in Australia, obviously it meant that Verstappen won ahead of Hamilton, Alonso. Strolled somehow, both Al- Aston Martin, sorry, they're getting big points despite the fact one of them locked up and binned it at turn three and the other one got binned off at turn one. Perez recovered rather not gracefully uh, for P5, of course, after he locked up and almost binned it a turn one. Norris gets his first points of the year ahead of Hulkenberg. Piastri as well makes it a double McLaren's points haul. And then Zhou Guanyu and Yuki Tsunoda rounded out our top 10 there, despite, obviously, like we said, Tsunoda's heroics as well from what would have been 13th to 5th or 13th to 4th even on that penultimate lap because he also did a very good job at avoiding yeah. the carnage. But Jamie... Who was your driver of the day from this Grand Prix? Very predictably,
1: I'm going to give it to Nico. I? I think Error. Ocon would have... De- not Ocon, sorry. Gasly would have deserved it had he not taken out his teammate on the restart for just hanging with the top guys, basically, really well all race. Yep. So, yeah. But unfortunately for Gasly, he crashed. Hockenberg didn't crash and finished P7 for his first points since uh, Nürburgring 2020. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yep. So Eiffel GP. Yeah,
0: but it must also be said, Holcomb didn't do the final, the rest of the um, parade lap, not parade lap. What is no, the name of the lap the after In-Lap. a Grand Prix? Yeah,
1: he had a uh, he had a Jensen Button style Melbourne engine failure coming up to the line, um, but thankfully he crossed the line and uh, actually got the points to the bag. That would have been so difficult if ten minutes to go he was. Like so close to the podium and ends up DNFing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it, it but, would um, just be Holkenberg things. I, I've yeah. noticed as well, Jamie. You never put on the notes about how George Russell had an engine failure. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, he did. <laughs> so <laughs> I was doing the notes
1: from memory because I have no internet. <laughs> shock him, shock him, Shock him.
0: Um, race rating then, Jamie. What it's are we saying? He never said. Oh, sorry, I never got my driver of the day. You normally don't let me have one. To be fair. Uh, I am going to give it to Lando Norris. Did a very, very good Fair. job on the McLaren nice. this weekend, I think. Um, you know, scored, like we said, first points of the year for him. So he did pretty well in that regard. So Lando Norris, yeah, my driver of the day this weekend. Uh, predictions recap then, Jamie. Now, you're, you're going to start baiting people in my comments section, aren't you, after this one?
1: <laughs> I may have been uh, replying with a few I emojis earlier on today, but... Um yeah i i kind of went out on a limb with a bit of a random top three last week and i was very nearly bang on so there we go <laughs> yes yeah. uh i went i went what Verstappen pole. Verstappen win with four points actually russell and yep. alonso p2 and three which people slay to me for of course this is the social media we're talking about uh and i got well two out of three in the right place and the other one uh, Russell was There's a very really good chance could have finished there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm happy. I got plus six this weekend, yep. and Matt and... tried to be boring and failed.
0: Yeah, of course, when I predict a boring result, you then get some spice, so I have a Verstappen- a <laughs> poll, and win correct, and then I had Checo in P2, which of course was pretty much over by Q1... Uh, and Charles Leclerc that was over by turn three. So that, yeah, yeah. really screw me uh, this weekend there. Which I think, if I'm not mistaken, means the points are now up two. I think you're on 13 and I'm on eight.
1: All right, nothing. Because this is so regime, badly rigged.
0: So, so badly rigged every <laughs> single year. Um, but Jamie, um, race rating then race, rating, most... I actually,
1: I low-key enjoyed it. I feel like there's always something about early morning races that, I don't know, I just quite like it. Like, I feel like most Japanese Grand Prix are quite boring, but I just like getting up early to watch F1 for some reason. So, yeah, I'll go for a seven. It's probably my favourite race of the
0: season. So yeah, I think, for me, unfortunately, it became a little bit too farcical. Uh, at the end, though. I think, you know, apart from that, we did have some good battles and everything else, but I think this weekend, it's very, very rare, actually, I score a race lower than you, uh, but I'm only going to give it a six. Just sometimes, sometimes races have to finish under a safety car, and F1 desperately need to learn that. Um, yeah, yeah. But,
1: well, Monza last year did, didn't it? But
0: Monza did last year yeah. did, yeah. So, they're, they're now one for three uh, over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. but Anyway, is there anything else we need to add? I think we've gone through pretty much everything we needed to. We're not doing F1 Fantasy real quick. I mean, we've only got exactly the same team, aren't we? So. I mean, I, I haven't loaded it up and you can't access it. So, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I mean, F1 true. Fantasy is so dead, we can't really do a lot with it anymore. Um, no, no, I, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly have a look. We'll, I'll quickly find I just where... think
1: we've both done quite well, so I want to see if we're in the top ten.
0: <laughs> we we definitely won't be in the top ten this week. Uh, because people well, you know, we, out driving. of the,
1: the four top-scoring four top drivers... Well, sorry, out like the five top scoring drivers, we both had four of them. So, yeah. Uh, the let's is have a look, template, It's so easy to get. Well, the template
0: is you get both Red Bulls plus Red Bulls' team. You get both Aston Martins plus Aston Martins' team. mean, there's two, like a 1,000 people that tied in each position. Genuinely, there right. was uh, 32 people that tied in P21 this week. Nice. Uh, eighth championship nice. was the winner, though. Uh, he had Verstappen obviously turboed Perez megged Alonso Stroll and Zhou Guan Yu um, but I'm guessing we both so apparently I ranked uh, 140th this week which I'm guessing you did as well
1: yeah yeah um, it's just a shame that the, the pricing's all wrong really because it's, it's got yeah. potential to be a good game but yeah you can just get the best team like you get those you get three Red Bulls, three Aston Martins and you choose between Joe or Hulkenberg or uh, alban or whoever so yeah it's a bit it's a very very dead game unfortunately but we'll carry on as much as we.
0: you can. actually sorry finished p53 oh great yeah well, uh I because you have hulkenberg in oh great what a baller we love so that. you you did you did quite well there overall though in the league jamie i'm still inside the top 100 i'm in 99th nice. still um, I have, I have <laughs> dropped back this week, but I'm not going to moan about that all too much. Let me just try and see if I can find you. Um, you oh, are 154. You. Oh, nice. So I'm oh, still beating you in that regard. Um, if we're still
1: playing this in Abu Dhabi, we might both be in the top 10 by the way it's going.
0: So. Yeah, by the way, everyone's getting bored of it this year. I mean, F1 Fantasy. It's meant to be so much fun and they have just killed it this year. But thank you all so much for listening nonetheless if you have enjoyed please do make sure you leave a like get yourself subscribed follow us on all our various social medias uh, that'll be linked down in the description below of course if you're listening here on youtube and yeah now we've got four weeks of just talking about random stuff to try and make our way uh to baku there we we don't enjoy a summer break three races into a season